Hello and welcome to this uh, crossover edition of the Laker Sides Chats meets Lake Night Lake Show. I'm your host, Alan Ramich, as always. Got three very good guests on. I'll start off with Ricky first. Ricky, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, man. I got my uh, Americano sitting next to me, so I'm up and ready on this rainy day here in Chicago to uh, talk Lakers basketball because there's not much else to do today or really any other day but talk about Lakers so I appreciate you having me on man thank you for coming on Danny how are you doing today sir uh <clears throat> doing well man a beautiful morning here in northern California but also very quiet and very quarantined as I like to say got a coffee with me as well <laughs> and last but not least Nas welcome also what's up Alan yeah I've been good how I've been are you doing? Well, I've been great, like, well, as great as somebody could be during, in these, uh, circumstances. Uh, yeah, man, I'll just walk my dog. Like, it's always like a routine. Like, uh, he wakes my ass up and then we're ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, <laughs> we thought we'd just have a little conversation today about our favorite Lakers of all time. Might not be the best Lakers, but you know, our favorite and why. And then we'll sort of go into other topics as well. I know everyone here loves the NFL, so we'll we'll dive into the NFL basket as well after this. Let's start off with you, Ricky. Who's one of your favorite players of all time? Yeah, so we'll we'll obviously throw out that I am a disciple of the church of Kobe Bean Bryant. He will be not only my favorite Laker of all time, or my favorite basketball player of all time, my favorite athlete of all time, and Really one of the people that I put up there as my muse cage, no uh, pun intended there, but Kobe will always and forever be the goat in life and how he just handled everything. But I'm sure everybody's going to have similar answers there. So I'm going to switch it up just a tad and give um, give a couple of other options. I I really, 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 really loved me some a healthy Andrew Bynum. And maybe we'll just go out as a weird topic to start. But when we drafted Andrew Bynum, right, this is coming off of the Shaq-Kobe divorce and just all of those moments and glimmers of potential that you saw out of him, how refined his postgame was coming out of high school, right, when he had that little – when the baby fro and he had that little baby fat on him. We were like, this dude's good. He's going to be good. Then he gets the knee injuries, comes back, then he's dominant. And then he gets hurt again. And then he has his tips and his little meetups with Shaq, which it almost seemed like Shaq was going to kill him. But you know what? We all fell in love with Andrew Bynum on that ga- uh, during that game against the Heat where he threw that little elbow to Shaq. He's like, yeah, 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 this is the Lake Show. Huh? We don't give a fuck about anything you got going on over there in Miami. So I'll start off the episode by throwing out a curveball and saying, I, after Kobe being Bryant, Andrew Bynum was for that period of time one of my favorite Lakers of all time, just because of what he meant for the franchise. He was a definitely an integral part of the, of a championship team. Like he played on a torn fucking meniscus, like the entire uh, final series. Right. And that's admirable. So tips off the uh, tip, my cap off to him. Um, and then he was used as trade bait for Dwight Howard, which ended up being an awful experience. But in hindsight, it led us to the Dwight Howard of today. So a lot of <laughs> spider webs that come off from uh, Andrew Bynum. So I'm going to start off with him. What, do you, did you think 12 months ago that any of us would be saying that 
Dwight Howard is legitimately one of our favorite Lakers right now. No. No, 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 no. No. Not at all. Not at we all. We got commercials My on goodness. the Late Night Lake show that uh that speak to that exactly, don't we, Danny? Uh yeah, we do. We also <laughs> have Dwight Howard bashing uh episode clips uh for days. So if you guys ever want to review that, go ahead and go into the older episodes, season one of Late Night Lake Show, season two of Late Night Lake Show, early season two of Late Night Lake Show. Dude, that first commercial is always hilarious, bro. Oh my god. <laughs> like sounds like Ricky's being like uh forced to like say it on at gunpoint, it's hilarious. <laughs> at gunpoint on video was the inspiration that I had. I always thought it was just you joking around like, I really don't want to do this. And you just read, you're like, yeah, this is Anchor. Ha <laughs> ha. No, you got to play the roles in these commercials, man. I'm, uh, I'm interested to see who you guys got for uh, your your favorite Lakers on time. Can't use Kobe, though. That would be cheating. Uh, no, well, what we'll do Kobe. is after, after, after we go through the favorite Lakers, we'll all do one favorite Kobe moment that we have. Because I feel like it would be stupid for us not to talk about favorite Lakers and then not include Kobe in it. Because I'm sure he's, if not the, uh, everyone's favorite, he's one of the top two or three in there. So I feel like we'll have to do that. Let's right. go to you, Nas, next. Who's one uh, of your favorite Lakers? Uh, one of my favorite Lakers, not including Kobe, because, you know, that's just a cheat code, uh, is Nick Van Exel. Nick Van Exel made, actually made me want to, be a point guard, right? Cause like, you know, he was like, he had the swag. He had like, uh, he, he made clutch shots, just like er- everything about him. I sad that I didn't like, he did the one, two, three Cancun shit and he never got the, ten- the a, a title in his career, but he's the guy that I felt like was like really inspired me to play basketball in the first place. And I, I don't think the Lakers had a well. Besides Zo, I don't think the Lakers had like a really like uh, dynamic point guard uh, since, have they? I mean, we're obviously we're not counting Smush because Smush is trash. Uh, we're like well, Ramon, Ramon Sessions, like Derek Fisher is uh, obviously good, but like you know he's not he's not dynamic. You know what I mean? So I would like, and Zo is like still coming into his own. So probably like yeah, I would say that it, it would be Nick Van Exel. Yeah. That's definitely a good choice, and a guy that's easily forgotten because of the Shaq and Kobe era. But that that team of Van Exel, Eddie Jones, Cedric Ceballos, Divac before he was traded for Kobe, that was a fun team. It's really fun team. Yeah, the '95 team uh, brought uh, like went six games with the Spurs in the semifinals. Like, uh, if uh, actually, like if you watch it, the YouTube videos of it, like if Vladi made some free throws, they would have probably. Uh, they probably would have made it to seven games, but, uh, but yeah, that, that team was like, uh, really, it wasn't going to win anything, but it was like, it was very fun. And then they played hard. And so you could like cheer for them, you know, like they were very, a, a very easy team to root for. And, uh, yeah, like they came, like, they, like, they, like I said, they weren't going to win anything, but they were, they were definitely a team that, uh, was fun. And then it helped transition it. Like if they, because they won enough, it helped. Uh, the Lakers become uh, an attractive enough destination for Shaq to come here besides the Hollywood shit and stuff like that. He had to come to a team that actually was going to allow him to uh, win something. And so uh, there was a foundation there and it was the bridge to the Shaq and Kobe era. And it's one of those eras that, you know, as a Laker fan, while, while, you know, it didn't bring any championships, 
if you have watched those guys play, definitely they bring a lot of joy. Danny, yeah, let's throw it over to you. What give us yeah. what name of one of your favorite? You know, there's so many. You know, obviously we got the Kobe's, you got the Shacks, even got the Gasols. But there was one guy who kind of held it together, especially during the runs of like prime Kobe 05 through you know 2011 until he got traded. I would say Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom was like my favorite. Yeah. He was the ultimate glue guy, the ultimate uh, team guy, because he would come off the bench and just perfected his role, could handle the rock at nearly 6'11", uh, and did it all. Um, and he did it all at a high level. He could defend. He could rebound. He was always a guy, like, in pregame, like TNT, ESPN, before a game. Okay, keys to victory. What are the keys to victory for the Lakers? Okay, besides Kobe going off, Lamar Odom's the X Factor. That's what I always know Lamar Odom as, the X Factor. He's always been listed as, if this guy goes off, there's no chance the Lakers are losing. And that's huge. Because if Gasol's having a great game, then you have Kobe having a great game. If you throw in uh, Odom in there, oh, man, it was it was nearly unstoppable. Um, and it was nearly impossible to beat the Lakers when Lamar Odom was having a 16-12 and 12 game off the bench, throwing dimes, handling the rock, and doing his thing. The candy man was awesome, man. I love L.O. Uh, I, I feel like you can't be a Lakers fan. I'm sure you guys will agree. You can't be a Lakers fan and not love Lamar Odom, right? Like, if, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I and and also and not not only that, but like if he was if he started off in this era, he'd be a multiple All Star. He never made no, an All Star. He was always team, close. He should have. Yeah, he was always close. He was, uh, and he should have made one at least, right? Like his first year in Miami, he was really good. I felt like he should have made that, but uh, but. Right now, if he was like in this era, like I mean, he does like a lot of the things that Draymond does, but like at a higher level. So he like he would have been a multiple All Star by now too. Yeah, yeah. and don't you feel that with with Lamar that especially when he became a Laker and we went through those years together, that was probably one of the most tight knit Lakers teams that we've ever um, watched play basketball together. Kind of you know, kind of like this year's Lakers squad, but with Lamar especially. His past, even when before he came to the L.A., everybody knew about, right? You know, his battles, um, you know, with, with family. He had a real dark background there. And it just seemed like he was really finding himself and finding his role and finding really his place, you know, in the world when he was with those Lakers teams. And I'll never forget when Lamar was traded uh, to Dallas, right, when we landed Chris Paul and or where <laughs> – and I remember Master P a few months later when Lamar never ended up playing for or Dallas or he did a little bit and it just didn't work out. But Master P blamed Kobe and he was like, that's Kobe's fault for letting Lamar go. You know, he, then, you know, when he started spiraling with the drugs and addictions, he was saying like Kobe should have kept him on the Lakers. He knew that was what was holding him together. And obviously that's bullshit to blame someone else's battles with drugs on someone else, but it just goes to show how much that Lakers team meant to Lamar and his maturity and, you know, really him getting his life together into a place where he should succeed. Lakers fans saw that. We felt that, and we loved him just as much for that. Everybody loves to see somebody who's had a rough upbringing and a rough background really start to step into the light and succeed. Unfortunately, there was, you know, more battles for Lamar to come after his Lakers tenure, but it just goes to show how we also love him. Yeah, and, like, Lamar Odom, just, right. like, if you look at him as a basketball player, you think to him, like, wow, this guy's in, at, at 6'10", with the, with the handles that he's going to be, he's unstoppable. 
he should be. And with that jumper that he had, and when he got hot, it was it was fun to watch. And I just remember him against Boston on a TNT game, just dunking all over. I think it was Rasheed Wallace, and he had a dunk against Andre Allen too. Man, this guy—he was a freak. He was a beast. Uh, and the, he won six man of the year. He he maximized the most he could have on the Lakers. And I wish he would have been a lifetime Laker, but you know, it just does not that way. Yeah, and another thing also is that when he uh, went into coma, like when he uh, when when he was uh, when he had that drug and uh, and prostitute binge, like oh boy, his former teammates all went like visited him, like they they did it like low key too, like nobody told like uh, like a re- like Kobe Kobe did it like at halftime, you know, he, like he just stepped out and like because they had the exhibition game in, in Vegas at the time, right? And so he like stepped out, and nobody like you know they they the Lakers didn't say that, that obviously they're not going to say oh he's uh, Kobe's going to go visit Lamar like they said like a personal reasons right he was there uh, uh, Ariza visited him when he was with the Rockets like uh, like Pow I believe so too like like these uh like these guys like care about him on a on on a brother level not just on a teammate level because he was like he he was the heart of the team and like the guy that who uh kept the team together and like uh like you said like in the pregame like where they would he would hype up the team yeah, he was course. the guy of course yeah oh i don't know me and raj recorded a podcast last night shout out to raj at unwritten yeah. rules on twitter the guy's a legend um we our, we our started dude. discussing this this year's team and then 29 20, 2009 2010 I, I just see so many parallels between this year's team and that era as well. You have the two main superstars, and then you have a bunch of really likable guys that are the, the supporting cast as well. From like the likes of, I, I know Nas doesn't like him, but <laughs> Kyle Kuzma. Um, <laughs> I had to throw that one in there. <laughs> but. But in all seriousness, like the likes of Avery Bradley, I love Avery Bradley. I think he's great. I love him. This team is nice. Dwight, Danny Green, you know, Markeith Morris now, who is a Laker for life, uh, automatically wanting to fight everyone. You know, yeah. I, I love that dude. Once Dion Waiters gets in the mix and we have the edibles involved as well, mm-hmm. it'll be great. <laughs> 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 There's gonna be more fights too, because that dude does not uh, take shit from anybody either. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe like, he punched Kyrie because <laughs> Kyrie wouldn't pass him the That's ball. Awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, like uh, we got like like this, that's the thing too. Like we got uh, like the Lakers were quote unquote lacking uh, dogs before uh, before Dion and uh, and Marquise came in, right? Well, we got dogs right now. You know what I mean? And not only did they also fit in a in a like a sort of like a locker room perspective where like they they they're like quote unquote dogs, but they also fit in the sense that it gives the Lakers the more like the versatility that the Lakers like uh, really needed. Like uh, now it pushes everybody to their national positions. It'd be, uh, man, I'm th- thinking about the season and hope and thinking about if it doesn't start over again. Like I mean, doesn't uh, doesn't uh, resume gets me like really upset like every every day i think about it you know what i mean like it really gets me upset because this is their year in my opinion i i i think it will reset i think it will resume um but it's just a matter of when 
And I know it's it feels like forever for us. I know me and Ricky touched on it last week. It, two weeks feels like oh four my God. months, five months at yeah. the moment. It's crazy. Exactly. It's, it's oh, March dude, it's 39th, right? Oh, fuck. Yeah, exactly. You know one thing I think about, too? Well, Let's when, say the Lakers, right, when the season resumes, now it's to your point, and we do get NBA basketball back. We let's say our Los Angeles Lakers win whatever the end of the season is, going to the playoffs, win the Larry O'Brien trophy. That means LeBron's going to have two rings from truncated seasons, from shortened seasons. I'm uh, just very interested to see when it's all said and done and we look back at the history of LeBron James, what how his detractors are going to use that against him. A lockout season with the Heat, where they went on to win, and then a, a pandemic season with the Lakers that, you know, if they go on to win. Uh, I'm just interested in your guys' thoughts on, do you think people will try to downplay those accomplishments? And do you guys think that, you know, they those championships would be less uh, because they came from shortened seasons? Well, well, if you oh, – go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Alan. Can I – go ahead, Alan. Go on. All I want to say is no one will mention the Heat one. No one gives a shit about the Heat. (laughs) Realistically, they only care about LeBron. (laughs) It's true. Like, no no, no disrespect to Miami. Miami's a great organization. Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, everyone's high class in that organization. But people don't care about the Heat. Everyone, it's what's what's the easiest thing for people to do? It's to dog on the Lakers for whatever. Yeah. So even if this happens, no one mentioned the Heat's locked out season. They'll all mention the Lakers season. That's the way I see it anyway. Well, I, I, you've you got to take into consideration that even if he does win this ring, you're going to look at it and say, well, you can't really, you can't really put that against it because everybody had the same amount of rest. You know what I mean? Everybody who's contending for a title had the same amount of rest as LeBron James. And if you're a top tier team like Milwaukee, then there's no excuse, right? The Clippers, same thing. They love load management. So there shouldn't be an excuse. The Miami lockout thing, I think, honestly, probably is a bigger deal. It's kind of like when the Spurs won in 99. It was like a lockout season, uh, shortened season as well. Um, so I would say there's no excuse for the, like, like for the teams that are losing if the Lakers win it. Like, hey, you can't say the same thing because they're all in the same pandemic situation. They're all resting accordingly until – uh, the, the game starts. So if, if LeBron wins it this year and the Lakers win this year, congrats to them. They won it. I mean, they're going to play an 82 game season. There was just a two month gap in between game one and game 82 or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? So the time of rest is equal to everybody else. There really isn't an excuse. If That's anything, they should benefit the Clippers exactly. the most exactly. because they're always going on about them and the Bucks, and you got these so... teams that are like, like the Bucks are trying to win seventy games. Let's be real here; like they're going to push the hardest to win seventy games. Uh, Giannis is on a mission, so this is going to be good for them in the rest. Of the rest. I think they can. I think they have can. They win seventy to, or less losses. Yeah. So they can I think they. I think they're on third. Are they on twelve or thirteen yeah. losses? I think they're on twelve right now. But yeah. Yeah, I think they're on twelve. Yeah, but... they're on twelve, so they have to go seventeen and zero the rest of this, the rest of the year. Right. I mean, which is pretty do, realistic for the Bucks. I don't no, know how I likely mean, that is, but it's possible. It's possible. In the East, I mean, it's, it's, it's possible. In the East. 
Yeah, because they, yeah, because they're because they're dealing with uh, Eastern Conference teams, like you know, like with like the what's the what's the eight seed, like the the Magic, right? And yeah. they're like what ten, yeah. and they're like ten games below five hundred or something. <laughs> like, yeah, they can. It's I don't know how realistic it is, but it's possible. And the the fact that it's possible, yeah. it's like but at the end of the day, like yeah, circling happen, back you know to what, what I mean? can happen is yeah. the amount of rest that the Lakers are getting is the same amount of rest that Clippers will be getting, the Bucks will be getting, the Sixers will be getting, whoever's contending for a title. Um, in the East and West will be getting. So it doesn't really matter. Um, you can point and say, okay, LeBron won in a pandemic season, but great. Kawhi and Paul George had the same amount of rest, and they love load management. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Can I just say quickly, <laughs> for Paul George, just, just throwing it out. Man. Oh, no, you can always say you can say that all the time, bro. Like 100%. I, just, right, like the, I can't wait for like him to like that. I had to ask, like the way he said it, so proper. He's like, can I just, can I just throw this in here real quick? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and he so just says it. Like, very, like, just hammers Hold on. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, but like, but honestly, like, uh, I think, in my opinion, right? Yeah, there's gonna be people who are like there's people who are gonna complain about LeBron no matter what, anyway, and the people who are gonna complain about the Lakers anyway, right? But in my opinion, I feel like in this in this season they should get even more credit for uh, dealing with it. Not only is the pandemic season, but also uh, like the China incident, and also uh, and also obviously like uh, the tragic passing of Kobe and uh, and Gigi. There's a lot of things that are happening out of their control that would like derail a lot of teams. Right, and if they end up winning because of this, it's I, I feel like it's more impressive. I'll, I think if LeBron wins this year, in my opinion, I know I know people, I know this might be blasphemy for you, Ricky, because you know you're from Chicago, but uh, I think LeBron's the best of all time if he wins this year. I really do. Uh, I, I know people like to throw in the three and six in the finals and whatnot, but like. I, I'm. He's just got. I think he's really? got the best resume out of everyone. I really do. Wow. I, wow. I, I rate LeBron that highly. That's, I mean, that's um, your take. That's your opinion. I mean, I can't. I, I'm not going to question or judge. I mean, that's. It's not a bad pick. It's just like I'm. I'm just surprised because when you think about man, it's a whole difference. I mean, I don't even want to get into this. It's, it becomes a rabbit hole. Then we become like we're watching Tiger King. So. Uh, <laughs> So we can we can go we can, we can talk about it for days. <laughs> I put. <clears throat> I'm, no, I'm going to say like, this I'm, for I'm the first of, time publicly. I'm, I'm with, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nas. Uh, no, no, go ahead, go ahead, bro. I'll, I'll go after you. Go I'm. This is probably the first time publicly I'm going to say this in regards to LeBron and his all-time status. But when he beat that seventy-three and nine Warriors team. I put him as I have no more questions left for LeBron to answer. I, I, I don't know. Like, it's so hard to equate someone as the greatest of all time when rules in the game itself shifts and changes and humans morph and evolve, right? But when he beat that, <laughs> that you know, that team that had a better record than the <laughs> best Bulls team at the time, right? Um, it was just, I was done. I crumbled up all my doubts, all the papers that I had about, you know, LeBron, is he clutch enough? Does he shy away from the big shots, stuff like that? And I said, this dude is probably one of the top 
three players. He's definitely uh, one of the top three players I ever got to see with my eyes. And um, right now he um, probably is standing at the top of that uh, mountain peak for what he's done. So I, I guess I'm not going full out say it, but I definitely put LeBron in the if you say he's the greatest of all time, I'm not going to argue. No, he's definitely on the dinner table. He's definitely the top three. Um, I just can't put him number one. That's just all I got to say. It's him, Jordan. Yeah, Kareem, I would say that's it? like a top, top three. three. perfect. Like like, all... it, it, but the thing is, for me, he would be it's, – it's really hard to go against resumes and full-on accolades and full-on careers like Jordan and Kareem. That's why I have to put those guys like one, two – LeBron, the the only way I think he surpasses Kareem is if he probably gets like number two in scoring and like another ring. To be fair, mm-hmm. but if he grabs this one with the Lakers oh, and I mean, everything that's going down, gonna it's, uh, I think it's kind of a wrap. Is he's a goat? Oh. Yeah, it's just there's a lot no of way. narratives and storylines, especially with this season. Yeah, the narrative's great. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, I, I get that yeah. too. Winning a title with the Lakers. You, I, I, I feel like if he wins with the Lakers, like especially since we haven't made a playoffs in seven years, uh, and if he wins with the Lakers, especially in these situa- in these circumstances, no, like, that's a lot to overcome. Totally understand that, but I still think, like, you know, like, uh, you have to look at it yeah, as a whole perspective. Yeah, like, yeah. this... No, no, I, 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 I agree. I, I, I look at it on the other uh, side, too. And, yeah, this is like, a, if somebody says he's not the GOAT, uh, I understand. But I'm also with Allen in the sense that, yeah, like, uh, I, I can see the argument and I'm kind of with the argument too. I'm more leaning towards Allen's argument than the other ones because, like, because, you know, just the circumstances and the, you know, the narratives and also, like, just, uh, him, like, win, like, getting his fourth, he'll probably get, if he wins the fourth, I feel like it makes it easier for him to win the fifth too. And, uh, and yeah, man, like, I, I feel like if he does, if he does win, uh, this year, especially with no, like, I totally understand so that. many distractions, like, man. I, I really do. So many things to just I think the Lakers have the best chance to win this year. This is like their yeah, biggest like, I, window I, to win this I, year. I feel like he... right, and and here's the the other thing also. The before he uh b- before the season started, like that what we would say finish top six roster, or something. AD and uh, LeBron, maybe top seven. You know, like uh, the... yeah, it was like uh, and there were. And not only that, but they were, they were they were saying that he was like uh, like the, the the team wasn't deep enough. It was like terrible, right? Like the like the roster that they built around him. Like shout out to Blanca, by the way, he did a great job building the team. Like uh, I told you, Nas. Yeah, no, you told me. You told me. <laughs> you told me. I'll never question him ever again. I will never question him ever again. <laughs> you know, like uh, the guy didn't uh, the guy didn't trade off anybody, and instead an upgrade was still able to upgrade the team. I will never question him again. Uh, anyway, like that's 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 for a different conversation because we could go off on that for like an hour at least. But uh, but but yeah, like they uh, like the the team was people didn't say the team was gonna be any good. Like uh, besides LeBron and uh, AD, and they those two specifically, LeBron, um, were able to like uh raise everybody's uh game to a different level. And now like they they to me they are the clear uh championship uh team. I, I think I'm. I think everybody in this conversation right now is a uh, would agree with me too, but they are the favorite. You know, <laughs> like yeah, like I feel like 
if he if they win, it's they uh, he would be uh, he he would be he would be the greatest. But if he doesn't like uh, if he does win, and people say, still say that uh, he's still not the greatest, like uh, his his case to be the greatest is still would be stronger in their eyes too. It might. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. So. It makes perfect sense. I understand Danny's point as well. Um, it, it, my, my, my take is very narrative based and I, I'm a human being. I love narratives. Mm-hmm. Narratives oh, are fun. Yeah. Right? Of course. Storyline, <laughs> right. storyline is what facts. makes sports narratives what we get so invested in. <laughs> without storyline in sports and without like having an emotional connection with sport, dude, there's, it's just people playing literally basketball. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the fact that these athletes carry a storyline and carry, you know, uh, a quote unquote legacy to each one of themselves is like, it, it makes it fun. So I, I'm not arguing against that either. I'm just, Ranking-wise, like I said, he's at the table. He's top three. I just don't think he's number one. That's fair. Just just one thing I, I would throw out with, with LeBron. Like, Has there ever been an athlete who's had to overcome, basically? I've never seen people put so many obstacles in someone's way in their path to greatness. It was like... He needs to do this, then he needs to do that, and then he does everything, and they keep on setting more obstacles. And then you have like the idiots like Skip Bayless, who, no matter what LeBron does, it's not good enough ever. If LeBron wins a game, it's not because of LeBron; it's because of other people winning. You know, I can't, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that guy mention Ray Allen. Yeah, and, yeah. And they're like, what, what about the, what about the seven minutes before that? Like, <laughs> yeah. who's going to completely ignore that? So the, I want to try. Go on. It, Hold on, like just on a quick side note, man. How crazy is it that a dude made a whole career just off, slan- just off slandering one person, dude? That is insane. They got like Skip makes like six million just to slander LeBron, right? That like, yeah, that that boggles my mind that somebody like that he has a big enough platform, and he knows this too. That's the reason why he says all that shit, right? Because if they, if he started giving LeBron compliments, like, and being more objective about what LeBron is, then nobody would give a shit and he'd probably be fired tomorrow, right? But, uh, but the fact is that this is what put food, uh, puts food on his table and, uh, money in his pocket. That's the reason why he goes off like this. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it still boggles my mind that the guy, a guy has a whole career just based off of, like, slandering somebody. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll throw it to Ricky, and let's ju- let's transition over. I said we talk about our favorite Kobe moments, being the ultimate Kobe stan. Yeah, I'm j- I'm joking, by the way, about that. Yeah. Um, I'm a disciple, man. <laughs> I'm a. Uh, What's your favorite Kobe moment? I was yes, about to say right. so more stand, of a disciple. Uh, that means they they follow without, you know, any type of conscience and brain. Like you would say the president of the United States has a lot of stands right now that they just make, you know, decisions just based off of whatever comes out of somebody's mouth, regardless of right or wrong. Um, For me and the church of Kobe being Bryant, there are tons of memories that come to mind, right? You know, obviously off the top of the head, you think about the baptism of Dwight Howard. And God, people listening to this are really going to think that I hate Dwight Howard. I did at one point, but not so much anymore. I love Dwight. I love this contribution. But that baptism was um, 
was something that was just, uh, I mean, it, it was just monumental. It's a history piece in the NBA story, but I would probably say my favorite, uh, Kobe moment would most definitely be that, uh, that series against Phoenix. There were two moments in there. First, that dunk on Steve Nash, that and one, that poster that he put on him when Lamar had that amazing steal. We want to talk about Lamar Odom's importance, diving to the ground, getting the loose ball, passing it ahead to Kobe, Kobe driving baseline, elevating one hand, throwing it down on Steve Nash, hanging on the rim. I feel like we waited for 19 goddamn years for Danny Crawford to make a charge or and one call. And then he finally called it a charge. I remember <laughs> Kobe was just hanging there, dangling in one arm, waiting for Crawford to make a call. And that's, you know, because naturally you posterize somebody and they get an and one call. You take a couple seconds to yell, scream, you know, pipe up the moment as much as possible. But since we were all waiting to see, you know, block or charge, and it was ended up being a block. And that's what really turned, um, you know, that game. And it was that back and forth. And then, you know, when Bean gets the ball and, you know, uh, I remember Luke Walton I, I, off the tip, right? Luke Walton ended up getting the rebound and he immediately uh, passed it to Kobe. And you watch Kobe dribbling to the right. And everybody remembers Hubie Brown saying, oh, you got to get a shot off here. And he elevates his patented shot, little fade, knocks it down. Lamar's jumping like a guy. Well, I can't say he's jumping down, up and down like a crackhead because that'd be a little bit out of taste. But Lamar's jumping up and down like a delirious child. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Bad, 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 bad. Sheesh. Man, we had a nice you're right, but Ricky. you know what? It's all good. It's in the past. I'm talking about <laughs> a moment in time. Kobe knocks down this shot. Everybody runs into his arms. Shannon Brown's <laughs> going crazy. Hold on to him like he just touched Jesus Christ himself, but... You know, I think of both of those monumental moments uh, in that series against Phoenix that Kobe had that will pretty much be tattooed in my memory until I leave this earth. So uh, what about you guys? I got uh, I'm going to kind of cheat here a little bit, but the whole 2012-13 season. The reason why is because that team was like underachieving for so long, right? Because, you know, like they had like a lot of like, uh, schematically it didn't fit with uh, D'Antoni and, uh, and the, the personnel. And also, uh, like, like Dwight just wanted to be like, uh, he wanted to do, he wanted to do like a lot of post ups. Like, you know, there was a, like the personalities didn't fit, but, and they were like, how many games, like, uh, like behind uh uh the eighth seed before uh the all star break, it was like something insane, like five or six, right? But Kobe did whatever it took to make sure that they did made the playoffs, right? It cost him his career, you know, because he was never the same after that because he tore his Achilles, right? So he was never the same, and then like he did whatever, like th- those legendary moments against him, like you know, like the the, the game against uh the games against the game against the Raptors, like dude, they had no business winning that game. Zero, right? But they won. You know what I mean? And like, uh, like they, they were down to like, uh, I want to say like five, five points with like twenty seconds left or something like that, and they still won, right? Like uh, they still went to overtime and shit. It's, it's that 
it cost him his career and like it really was like pretty much personified uh what Kobe is about like which is like you know heart like you know what you 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 play to the last second you play as hard as you can and see where like you know where the chips fall but the whole yeah to me the whole 2012 2013 season was uh to me the uh like the a microcosm of his career and I feel like yeah that's the that's the Nice. That's the defining um, Kobe. I mean, moment there's for so me. like God. There's literally so many. Like I mean, you know, you can say like you know he outscored Dallas 60, 62 to sixty one. I mean, but like, um, you know, I think it it was that oh nine playoff run for me. I think uh, that oh nine playoff run starting in the first round um, against the Jazz, and then you're going against the Rockets, who run our test, push Kobe to seven games. Very entertaining series that was. Love that series. And then the the Denver Western Conference Finals, those battles between him and Melo, and then him getting to the finals and just, you know, uh, obliterating the magic. It was just it, it was just a coming together of Kobe's uh, leadership, coming together of Kobe's heart and determination because the year before, you know, when you fail, what do you do? You have two options, right? You could sulk in your failure or you can get back, get at it, and win. And that's what he did. And he, and he brought the Lakers back-to-back. So it started with that. That 9 playoff run was amazing. I just remember his game one against the Magic going for 48 and 8 and just being so efficient, so effective, and him and Gasol on the same level. I loved it. So, my favorite moment is two things. And one is a Kobe moment, and the second one is sort of is a Kobe moment, but sort of isn't. But, like, I'll, we'll get to it. So, the, both in the same game. It's game seven, 2010. My favorite moment is when Kobe just pulls up right elbow, 68, 64. We go up four and a bit minutes left in the fourth quarter. And oh, I don't know how you guys felt at that I, point. I feel you hundred percent like, on that, Alan, because I remember in the third quarter, they won that run this. and Derek Fisher hit a three. And then I'm like, okay, the comeback. Yeah. And, and, and I was like, the come. In Rondo's face. Yeah, I know. Like, the comeback was on. So I, I feel you after, after Kobe like, hit that elbow jumper. Yeah. And, um, and then... And also, like, uh, just to add on to it, like, uh, in, in 2010, when they played the Suns again, that game six shot that he uh, he shot uh, on Grant Hill, and then he, uh, he made it. Like, there's no, like, that was just a really good shot against a very good defense, right? And then he slapped a, uh, Alvin Jeffrey on the ass, like, all right, yeah. well, there's nothing you guys can do. Like, you guys can't guard me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, there's so many moments, man. It's just really hard to, like, say which one is the best, like, but we all have our own personal ones, you know? And then the other one that I mentioned, it's not him in that game, but when Ron Artest or Meta World Peace, as he's known now, Catches the ball from a Kobe pass. Mm-hmm. He jabs once. You can see on Kobe's face, he's like, don't shoot, Ron. Don't shoot that ball, Ron. And then Ron shoots it. <laughs> and you can see on Kobe's face, he's about to chew him out for shooting that shot. But then Ron makes it. <laughs> and the rest is history. Oh, but he, yeah, I love who he made it on too. He, uh, he made it against uh, Paul Pierce, which is any Paul Pierce slander will like, I'll listen to any kind of Paul Pierce slander all day. Like, I don't care. Right, like he, he made it again and to say 
fuck Paul Pierce as well. Yes. <laughs> hey, if you guys don't mind, real quick, can I can I say something? I think those are two uh, guys. Uh, fuck, fuck Paul Pierce. Shoot. Sure. Jeez, <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> Fuck Paul Pierce, man. Uh, I really yeah. appreciate how he led his, oh, led his uh, dunk that contest. Paul Pierce, oh, my God, that was get out from high school. Ever. And it's nothing but tags. It just it just adds to the legacy of Paul Pierce, man. Again, if you if you grew up and Paul Pierce was your favorite player and he still is your favorite player of all time, that's fine. That's on you. You're just a loser. Like there's no other way to go around it. Paul Pierce is going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to go down as one of the greatest Celtics of all time. But then again, to my point, you're a loser that you're fucking with Paul Pierce for the Bucs and Celtics. I would have jumped ship to KG being my favorite player <laughs> immediately. Hell, I would have picked Rondo at that time. But just the way that he played, he's not aesthetically pleasing as a basketball player to watch. I mean, he had his shots. He had his points. You know how Paul Pierce got down. Underrated handles, right? So I understand why you liked him. But remember, all those Boston teams were fucking horrible. Remember those MVP chants in the garden? Guess who's the best player on that team for the Celtics? <laughs> Paul Pierce. Imagine somebody stepping in to the Staples Center, even in the Lakers' down years when it was just Kobe and LeBron getting an MVP chance at Staples. Somebody would have been shocked, <laughs> but it just goes to show that it was acceptable because Paul Pierce was the go to that team. Mm-hmm. And Paul Pierce is your favorite player, and that's all right. But anytime it's going to come up, I have the opportunity to say, wow, is Paul Pierce really underachieved for being so great? And that's okay. That's just life. So you deal with that. I'm going to deal with memory of my goat you, and all the great accomplishments. That you know, it's funny too because I tweeted that uh, Sam hours. Dunk video, right? His uh, his high school Sam Dunk contest video. You remember how Joe came yeah, like, uh, and, and like the guy in the background like, laughing against the Like he missed like five and things in a row. He was like, and, then, <laughs> and then like uh, Paul Pierce stands like uh, like went on my mentions. And got mad at me. Why are you mad at me for it? Be mad at him for being a bum and not making a single fall dunk. All right? <laughs> like, like the funny thing is, like, the Paul Pierce fans, too, they don't, they pretend to be Laker fans. They would put it in the Laker Abbey, right? And put, like, Kobe, like, you know, like, uh, R.I.P. Kobe or whatever, right? But they're not really, like, like Laker fans, right? And they would, like, pretend to be like that just, just to look objective. And then they were, like... They, like a couple of them like went at me and I'm like, dude, don't be mad at me for that. All right. Be mad at uh, Paul Pierce for being a bum. Right. Like <laughs> that dude is like, he's like delusional and how like, yeah, he's good and he's going to be a hall of famer, but he's not at like, he's not on the level of like, of Dwayne Wade, uh, Kobe, uh, just name. He, he wasn't even the, like, like you were, like what you were saying. He wasn't even the second best player on his own team. I would say Ray Allen was better than he was. In a career, definitely. If you look at his career in totality, definitely. Yeah. Like he was like, Ray Allen was a better player than Paul Pierce was. And I feel like Paul Pier- uh, Ray Ooh. Allen should have actually won the 2008 uh, finals MVP, not Paul Pierce, you know, but like, Hey, he, he, uh, but hey, but Paul Pierce has to pretend that, uh, uh, he, he like tore something in his knee, even though he t- just took a shit in his own, uh, shorts and, you know, like, uh, gets the crowd up and then there you go. That's how they won game one. It's fucking stupid. But anyway, whenever there's Paul Pierce slander, 
I'm for it because you know what, like Rick, like what Rick said, like uh, the dude, fucking, like if you're a fan so of a dude, good, you're a fucking loser. Just- <laughs> Dude, so, you remember when so, Joe you know, Kino, like you, when they were battling the, the Bulls, Cavs right. in those playoff series, and after one of the games, uh, they asked Joe Kim if he regrets his statements about talking shit about Cleveland, and he's like, you know, do y'all like Cleveland? You think you think Cleveland's cool? That's a you could just replace Cleveland with Paul Pierce, yeah. and it's the same yeah, was- thought. Like you, you like Paul Pierce. <laughs> you think Paul Pierce is cool. Like I guess you know, social media you'll find anybody to like anything. But all right, enough Paul Pierce slander out of me. I just want it known that he and his championship team will go down as the third greatest player on that team when it's all said and done, as far as historical rankings. Uh, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett will easily have cleared that him, in my opinion. Um, and you know. He, he got his one little measly championship in shitty drawers out of his career. So best of luck to him. Future in Denver's. <laughs> I feel like that's just. I feel like if we talk about basketball anymore, it will ruin the Paul Pierce slander. Um, I feel like that was beautiful. Um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like we're on a symbiotic wave of Paul Pierce hate, and it's it's amazing. Let's let's transition over to a love that all of us have as well. Um, I've, I've I've started my own NFL podcast, so if you guys want to listen to that, I will put a link in the bio. Um, guys, first of all, Ricky, I know you're yeah, a Bears fan. I'm really sorry. Um, I don't know what else to say. I'm, hey, ju- I'm just sorry. You guys, yeah. We can hear you guys hear me. It's uh, it's choppy <laughs> on my end. Okay, my. My bad. What yes. you I think the last thing you asked was if I was a Bears fan. Hey, fine. Oh, yeah. No, I, I yeah, appreciate I just said it. I'm really yeah, sorry. Well, is, uh... What's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a Vegas Raiders fan. Oh, well, and, well that, yeah. Don't, it's even it's better that we fan? actually they actually left Oakland. Honestly, it's the city of Oakland. Still a Raiders fan. Even the city left Damn. Damn. Danny said you know what? not giving you know a what? fuck about what he yes, said. Exactly. Man. He Thank you, Alan. Thank you, The Raiders should be in Los the, Angeles. The, the only reason why I say that is because the city of Oakland and the Raiders have always had beef. The Raiders are the they only did not LA want team. to build a stadium. They didn't want to re- renovate uh, the Coliseum, which is fine. Whatever. We'll just dip, have a better stadium in Vegas. I wish instead of the Chargers going down to LA, it was the Raiders and the Chargers could have sat their asses in San Diego. But hey, what are you going to do, right? I'm a Vegas Raiders fan now. Vegas, baby. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 It's pronounced San yeah. Diego as a famous Anchorman <laughs> said. The Will's vagina, bro. It's the Will's vagina. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm with Danny too. I'm a unfortunately a Raiders fan. Uh, so I mean, like, uh, it should have really yeah, been like, the, hey, let's, it should have been really the Raiders else. Okay, in cool. uh, in L.A. But that that <sighs> made too much sense. So they, 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 yeah, okay, all right. Like you know, because they they had to appease uh the Spanos family for some stupid reason. It didn't even matter. Like uh. Like uh, because the Rams are gonna move here regardless, it did not matter. 
right? Like they were going to move to LA because I mean, Cronky owned the land here. He could do whatever the fuck he wants. Plus he had the backing of Jerry Jones. So it was like, uh, it was a power, like there was no power struggle in that sense because he could do whatever the fuck he wants. He's like a fucking billionaire. Uh, Spanos, uh, want, like wanted a, a better situation too. And they're like, yeah, we don't really fuck with the Raiders. Like nobody in the league did. And fucking Mark Davis is cash poor. So they're like, yeah, you know what? Just go to Vegas. We'll kick you out there. And then like, uh, we're going to, instead of doing what's best for the, for, for, for the league, we're just going to do what's, uh, best politically for our, uh, for, for the league. And that's what happened. <laughs> like really, like it should have been like, uh, the Raiders and, uh, the Chargers in their own stadium in Carson. That's what should have happened. Oh, oh, I, I think talking about the LA teams is fair enough, but I wanted to discuss one topic with you guys that I personally find very frustrating watching the NFL as a fan um, is the way that the black quarterback is perceived. And um, I know you guys, I know me and Ricky discussed it a little bit last week off the air, um, but like, I personally, I can't believe how people treat the black QB in the NFL. I think it's disgusting. I feel like they don't get the recognition they deserve. And like the way people just talk about Russell Wilson still, because obviously bias, Seahawks fan, they, they act like he's some game manager type player when he's like, you know, besides Mahomes, he's the best QB in the NFL. And um, I just wanted to hear your guys' opinion on this as well, because I personally find it very frustrating. I feel like it's a microcosm of the rednecks in America. You know, big mm. up to you guys for yeah, being assholes. You know, if I can continue on down that like, road. You, you think yeah. about it. It's not, but it's like, not necessarily the rednecks that, you know, kind of keep this issue going. It's definitely at the top of the food chain, right? It starts with any type of sports with ownership and then down through the management, right? Like, I think this, you know, there's a lot of institutional um, bias and stereotypes about, you know, uh, black men in America just in general and those that turn out to be the best athletes in the world, right? Some people, when they still look at them, see only athletics and don't give any credit for um, intellectual uh, capacity or being smart or and seeing the game at a cerebral level. Russell Wilson is a generational talent, right? There is no denying that. I think people want to come in and take a look and say, okay, who's, who's calling the plays? Who's doing this? Who's doing that? Look at his support system. Look, he's got a Hall of Fame uh, coach. And they kind of overlay that anytime a, in my opinion, a black quarterback has a level of success. They look at Lamar Jackson and they say, oh, well, he's pretty much, he's not playing quarterback. He's playing running back and throwing every now and then. Motherfucker, he is playing the quarterback position and taking the Ravens not only to the top of their division, but leading them into the playoffs as one of the youngest, <laughs> uh, the youngest MVP in league history, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then people are still going to discredit, like, oh, look what happened once they got to the playoffs. Look what, look what happens to every fucking team that doesn't win the Super Bowl in the playoffs. They end up losing and eventually their weaknesses get exposed. That's fine. Two years in the league, Lamar is doing this and now he is uh, ascending to being the most popular player in the NFL. Why? They're not getting the credit why they are on a short leash as far as they're more willing to let Cam Newton walk for free than anybody taking a chance on him. 
you really got to look at the top of the food chain and seeing what are being brought down across because if there is um, alignment at the uh, ownership level of saying, hey, we don't have interest in X, Y, and Z player because of X, Y, and Z bullshit reason, that's going to trickle down and transcend across the league. There's a real big good old boys feel to the NFL. And unfortunately, the first person that gets squeezed in those situations are usually the black head coach and the black quarterback. Yeah, I was about yeah, to say like, that too. It's like an old, it's an old, uh, it's an old boys club in the, the NFL. Like it's not like the NBA where it's like progressive or like uh, owners like uh, are more socially like uh, conscious about what's actually going on. But in the NFL, it's like these guys came from old money. You know, like they're uh, it, it, they have a way of thinking that uh, if it, it doesn't matter what the fans uh, want to do in the NFL, it's uh, it's uh, like the the old. The owners have the most power in the NFL. It doesn't matter what, like the it doesn't matter what the players care about. It doesn't matter what the fans care about. It's the ownerships that it's, it's ownership that has the most uh, power. And yeah, and like what, like what, what Ricky said, like it'll trickle down from like one. Uh, if one owner feels the one way, the most likely the other owners are going to feel the same way too. And you know, it's it's like also another thing too. It's like uh, Cam would be amazing on the Bears. Because, but they who did they get instead? Nick Foles, right? Nick Foles. So, yeah. So I mean, like, why why trade for Nick Foles, dude? Like, you could have gotten, you should have waited and gotten Cam. And and when was the last time uh, the Bears? The last had time a, the Bears uh, had black, a uh, quarterback, quarterback I mean, when was it? Jason Ford Campbell, right? Like, it, there's a right. What was it? And it's like those yeah. aren't. Those were backup quarterbacks that Real the Bears Stewart, yeah. brought in okay, to fill cool. the gaps. Like, there's no draft. They'll never like the Chicago Bears. It's a joke. They'll never draft a, ba- a black quarterback with a high round pick. That's kind of just you know known about the organization, and it really came to light with this whole Mitch Trubisky uh, situation and not taking Deshaun Watson. And we everybody talks about Patrick Mahomes. It's mostly uh, egregious, more egregious that they didn't take Deshaun Watson and back traded. <laughs> to take fucking uh, Trubisky. So I don't hate Trubisky. It's more so kind of the, the, um, the tone and more of the same bullshit that you look around and you see, okay, well, why isn't this black person getting the same opportunity? And he's a decorated college football player. Yes. He's had a little bit of injuries, but he also uh, took down Alabama twice and they were the gauntlet in college football instead you take a guy who couldn't even beat out the fucking starting quarterback his junior year and only started 12 games and you say oh you see something in them bitch have you used your eyes don't you see what deshaun is doing and i am just so thankful that bill o'brien is just you know <laughs> incompetent over there as lord and savior of the uh of the Houston Texans. Again, another perfect example. Do you think if this was a black head, uh, NFL head coach and they would be given all this power to, and he just makes stupid decisions. You don't get that kind of leash dog. You are in. Well, he would have been gone out, two years you ago. You do not produce at a high thing. They're already talking about his Anthony Lynn on the charges in the hot seat. They gave him, you know, this could be three years, right? So rightfully so sink or swim, see what they do. But I think to put a, you know, bow on this conversation and, with Cam, right, I think there's a real strong opportunity that that he ends up with the Chargers, and then that means that the head coach 
the starting quarterback and the backup quarterback will all be African Americans. Um, I think it would be kind of shitty if that team ends up being absolutely awful because then it would just be more of the same notion of, see, this is why we don't do it. There's a little, a little bit too much chocolate going on there in, uh, oh, in, uh, in Los Angeles yeah. in the soccer stadium. So we're going to break this up. They like using um, outlier <laughs> examples. You see this in the news all the time. You know, uh, a black man gets arrested for whatever. Now, all of a sudden, everybody, you know, has always been freaked out. They equate one black person to all black people. When at the same time, somebody can be a motherfucking uh, tiger trainer in the backwoods of Florida. And we don't uh, equate them that person to being how all white people talk about. I don't know. If, I, I don't I don't, you know, assume that all white people are in, you know, uh, uh, fucking mullets. And are, you know, toting the guns and fucking training tigers their whole life. But all of a sudden, you know, you see something on the news and now you're looking at me differently. That's, it's not right. Right. So I think that's kind of what, um, what we're looking at, you know, as far as, uh, football specifically, um, and just how they are treated. You have a shorter leash if, uh, you are African American and especially in the quarterback position, because that is looked at as you have to be the smartest person on the field. Um, and that unfortunately isn't equated with black athletes in today's society and never has been with, uh, our country. So it's something that we're always pushing. And I appreciate you bringing this up, Alan, because it's definitely worth conversation. And it's all about hearing different perspectives and apparent, uh, opinions. And hopefully just by shedding some light on this one, it at least gets somebody thinking just a little bit more outside of the world that they see things in. I, I agree was with you hundred percent. Uh question, question. Was uh Lamar Jackson was in the same draft class as uh, uh Deshaun Watson too, right? No, it was Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. That and Josh Rosen as well. I forgot I forgot about that. Right, Josh that was Rosen. the year afterwards, right? It was the year yeah. afterwards. Okay, okay, okay. All right. And Lamar Lamar was picked thirty second and told to change to a wide receiver when he was obviously better than all four of those QBs in college. But we digress. Yeah, they, I feel like yeah, they say that shit like every fucking year too. It's insane. Like the the black quarterback's not smart enough, so they have to like switch positions. It's like it's like some skill position. It's all it's oh. yeah. It's 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 really uh annoying and frustrating because or you don't even get if you find even if you yeah. find a guy who's as smart as Russell Wilson, they find other things wrong with him. Like oh, he's too short to play the QB in the NFL. Dude, Russell Wilson's like one of the quarterbacks that like puts fear in my heart if you're playing against him. Like seriously, like you know, like the game is not over until it's over with him. With him, like uh, like that that Niners game. If you watch that Niners game against uh uh the Seahawks, yeah, you 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 know this. Like the the when they played in uh in in San Francisco and they went to like how many they went to overtime, right? Like uh, yeah, and then, last yeah. last last second we won the game. Yeah, because uh, the the the, uh, the Niners uh kicker like missed the field goal and then uh, Russ Russ uh, uh marched him down the field like they they the, the Seahawks had no business winning that game <laughs> you know and they did because Russ is fucking amazing <laughs> he's like yeah it's it's not fair but it is what it is and you know hopefully things will change eventually it's yeah it, I think, I think with it's getting, everything in your you opinion, know, Rick, the more do you, think you it's talk about better, these things and shine light on it the more people start squeezing 
on these topics and start forcing, you know, leadership to um, make these changes. We saw it in the M- NBA with uh, the Sixers and the outrage that they were cutting people's salaries. It's, it's the same thing, you know, pressure burst pipe. So I think we, as long as we continue to talk about these things and calling them out when we actually see them, um, we'll continue to push forward and be in a better spot. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, just uh, keep keep uh, keep the dialogue open for that. You know, for like uh, because I mean, black quarterbacks have done a lot, and they need to get the respect and uh, and act and opportunities that they deserve. Definitely, I, I feel like we should just wrap it up there. I think it was put on a bow beautifully by Ricky. Thank you for that. Um, I know it's something that you feel very passionate about, and something I feel very passionate about as well. Because obviously being uh, supporting a team that is, you know, as dependent on a black QB as any team in history has been, and to not see the guy get the credit that he deserves for being a generational talent, I think is just wrong, regardless of skin color. Um, I just want to say this has been a great blast, um, guys. For anyone uh, really on any platform, this. you can find me on Instagram, so much fun uh, Twitter, this podcast. Snapchat, Let's whatever start you guys with use. You, Danny, um, where at ASED underscore Dan. Uh, that's based underscore Dan. You can find me there. Um, and then also to collaborate with Ricky, um, the Late Night Lake Show handle is Late Night Lakers. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, Zara, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, Alan. This is a great conversation. Uh, more, more to come for show. Um, you guys can find me at Mr. Ricky twitter i'm trying to get my instagram on and popping a little bit more so you can find me there at agent jet jackson um if you could tell me where i got either of those names from i'll send out a uh a, sl- a late night lakers slander cup to you first person that hits me up on either platform uh so yeah uh thanks for having me on man and uh hopefully we'll start talking some lakers basketball games coming up in the near future And last but not least, Naz, tell us where we can find you as well. Uh, you can find me on Opinions on D-A-N-B-A on Twitter, or you can also find me on my burner on Opinions NBA 1 because I had to get my shit. Uh, I had to get a burner because of uh, some shit that I was uh, saying beforehand. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, you can find me on that. Uh, you can find me uh, on um, uh, somewhat of a regular uh, guest on on uh, Rick's Rick's and Dan's uh, podcast, and also you can also find me on uh, the Under the Bus uh, podcast too. And Alan, I want I just want to say thank you for having me again, and uh, I appreciate you, bro. Oh, I appreciate all of you guys, well. and I feel like we should do this a lot more often. You know, I feel like Absolutely. we will. We have the time now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, dude. <do. laughs> Yeah. We have to do a Marvel podcast um, one of these yeah, days. I know me and Ricky touched on it a little bit last week, but we need to do a Marvel podcast as well. Yes, yes, and also, uh, and also, uh, we should do one where we're like we're drinking because considering I'm becoming like an al- an alcoholic anyway, <laughs> we might as well. You know, like like I said, I've been drinking like half a bottle of uh, of wine pretty much every day now because I'm bored out of my mind. And yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be now, interesting about yeah, uh, shit that comes out of my mouth. Sunday, 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 Sunday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
You got Thank that you, coffee Alan. Irish going now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that sounds like Thanks a good idea, everyone. actually. I'm going to have that today. For... <laughs> Thanks to everyone listening. Not a problem, Danny. Like I said, you guys are more than welcome back anytime you want, you know. The door's always open at the chats for you guys. Um, thanks to everyone listening. Um, hope you enjoyed this. We just, you know, riffed a little bit for over an hour here, you know, trying to get a bit of, you know, conversation going. Maybe it, it inspires you guys to talk at home. Please, everyone, stay safe. Clean your hands. Use as much hand sanitizer as possible. Be sure to leave us a rating. My show, Naz's show, Ricky's show. Leave five-star reviews, you know. Tell if if not, you know, tell us what we're doing wrong on Twitter and whatnot. We'll tell you you're wrong, but we'll take your advice on board. Um thank you so much for listening. Take care, whatnot. 